chapter five of the life of washington volume one by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter five transactions succeeding the restoration of charles the second contest between connecticut and new haven discontents in virginia grant to the duke of york commissioners appointed by the crown conquest of the dutch settlements conduct of massachusetts to the royal commissioners their recall massachusetts evades a summons to appear before the king and council settlement of carolina form of government constitution of mr locke discontents in the county of albemarle invasion from florida abolition of the constitution of mr locke bacon's rebellion his death assembly deprived of judicial power discontents in virginia population of the colony sixteen sixty the restoration of charles the second was soon known in america and excited in the different colonies very different emotions in virginia and in maryland the intelligence was received with transport and the king was proclaimed amidst acclamations of unfeigned joy in massachusetts the unwelcome information was heard with doubt and in silence republicans in religion and in politics all their affections were engaged in favor of the revolutionary party in england and they saw in the restoration of monarchy much more to fear than to hope for themselves nor were they mistaken in their forebodings no sooner was charles seated on the throne than parliament voted a duty of five per centum on all merchandises exported from or imported into any of the dominions belonging to the english crown and in the course of the same session the celebrated navigation act was re-enacted the difficulty of carrying this system into execution among a distant people accustomed to the advantages of a free trade was foreseen and the law directed that the governors of the several plantations should before entering into office take an oath faithfully to observe it as some compensation to the colonists for these commercial restraints it was also enacted that no tobacco should be planted or made in england or ireland guernsey or jersey these regulations confined the trade of the colonies to england and confined on them exclusively the production of tobacco charles on ascending the throne transmitted to sir william berkeley a commission as governor of virginia with instructions to summon an assembly and to assure it of his intention to grant a general pardon to all persons other than those who were attainted by act of parliament provided all acts passed during the rebellion derogating from the obedience due to the king and his government should be repealed sixteen sixty one the assembly which had been summoned in march sixteen sixty in the name of the king though he was not then acknowledged in england and which had been prorogued by the governor to the following march then convened and engaged in the arduous task of revising the laws of the colony one of the motives assigned for this revision strongly marks the temper of the day it is that they may repeal and expunge all unnecessary acts as in chiefly such as might keep in memory their forced deviation from his majesty's obedience this laborious work was accomplished and in its execution the first object of attention was religion the church of england was established by law 
and provision was made for its ministers to preserve the purity and unity of its doctrines and discipline those only who had been ordained by some bishop in england and who should subscribe an engagement to conform to the constitution of the church of england and the laws there established could be inducted by the governor and no others were permitted to preach the day of the execution of charles i was ordered to be kept as a fast and the anniversaries of the birth and of the restoration of charles the second to be celebrated as holy days the duties on exports and tonnage were rendered perpetual the privilege of the burgesses from arrest was established and their number fixed the courts of justice were organized and many useful laws were passed regulating the interior affairs of the colony an effort was made to encourage manufactures especially that of silk for each pound of that article which should be raised a premium of fifty pounds of tobacco was given and every person was enjoined to plant a number of mulberry trees proportioned to his quantity of land in order to furnish food for the silkworm but the labor of the colony had been long directed to the culture of tobacco and indian corn and new systems of culture can seldom be introduced until their necessity becomes apparent this attempt to multiply the objects of labor did not succeed and the acts on the subject were soon repealed in maryland the legislature was also convened and as in virginia their first employment was to manifest their satisfaction with the restoration after which they entered upon subjects of general utility sixteen sixty two rhode island incorporated rhode island excluded from the confederacy of the other new england colonies and dreading danger to her independence from massachusetts was well pleased at the establishment of an authority which could overawe the strong and protect the weak charles the second was immediately proclaimed and an agent was deputed to the court of that monarch for the purpose of soliciting a patent confirming the right of the inhabitants to the soil and jurisdiction of the country the object of the mission was obtained and the patentees were incorporated by the name of the governor and company of the english colony of rhode island and providence the legislative power was vested in an assembly to consist of the governor deputy governor the assistants and such of the freemen as should be chosen by the towns the presence of the governor or his deputy and of six assistants was required to constitute an assembly they were empowered to pass laws adapted to the situation of the colony and not repugnant to those of england that part of the dominions of the crown in new england containing the islands in narragansett's bay and the countries and parts adjacent was granted to the governor and company and their successors with the privilege to pass through and trade with any other english colonies patent to connecticut in connecticut the intelligence of the restoration was not attended by any manifestation of joy or sorrow winthrop was deputed to attend to the interests of the colony and in april sixteen sixty two he obtained a charter incorporating them by the name of the governor and company of the english colony of connecticut in new england the executive as in the other colonies of new england consisted of a governor deputy governor and assistants the legislature was composed of the members of the executive and of two deputies from every town it was authorized to appoint annually the governor assistants and other officers 
to erect courts of justice and to make such laws as might be necessary for the colony with the usual proviso that they should not be contrary to those of england to this corporation the king granted that part of his dominions in new england bounded on the east by narragansett's bay on the north by the southern line of massachusetts on the south by the sea and extending in longitude from east to west with the line of massachusetts to the south sea sixteen sixty three contest between connecticut and new haven by this charter new haven was without being consulted included in connecticut the freemen of that province dissatisfied with this measure determined in general meeting that it was not lawful to join and unanimously resolved to adhere to their former association a committee was appointed to address the assembly of connecticut on this interesting subject they insisted not that the charter was void but that it did not include them a negotiation between the two provinces was commenced in which the people of new haven maintained their right to a separate government with inflexible perseverance and with a considerable degree of exasperation they appealed to the crown from the explanation given by connecticut to the charter and governor winthrop the agent who had obtained that instrument and who flattered himself with being able on his return to conciliate the contending parties deemed it advisable to arrest all proceeding on their petition by pledging himself that no injury should be done to new haven by connecticut and that the incorporation of the two colonies should be effected only by the voluntary consent of both the government of connecticut however still persisting to assert its jurisdiction attempted to exercise it by claiming obedience from the people appointing constables in their towns disavowing the authority of the general court of new haven and protecting those who denied it complaints of these proceedings were laid before the commissioners of the united colonies who declared that new haven was still an integral member of the union and that its jurisdiction could not be infringed without a breach of the articles of confederation disregarding this decision connecticut pursued unremittingly the object of incorporation the inhabitants of new haven were encouraged to refuse the payment of taxes imposed by their legislature and when distress was made on the disobedient assistance was obtained from hartford these proceedings seemed only to increase the irritation on the part of new haven where a deep sense of injury was entertained and a solemn resolution taken to break off all farther treaty on the subject this state of things was entirely changed by a piece of intelligence which gave the most serious alarm to all new england information was received that the king had granted to his brother the duke of york all the lands claimed by the dutch to which he had annexed a considerable part of the territory over which the northern colonies had exercised jurisdiction and that an armament for the purpose of taking possession of the grant might soon be expected to this it was added that commissioners were to come at the same time empowered to settle the disputes and to new model the governments of the colonies the commissioners of the united colonies perceiving the necessity of accommodating internal differences now took a decided part in favor of the proposed incorporation the most intelligent inhabitants of new haven became converts to the same opinion but the prejudices imbibed by the mass of the people being still insurmountable a vote in favor of the union could not be obtained at length after the arrival of the commissioners appointed by the crown 
and a manifestation of their opinion in favour of the incorporation after a long course of negotiation which terminated in a compact establishing certain principles of equality required by the jealousy of new haven the union was completed and the representatives of the two colonies met in the same assembly during the frequent changes which took place in england after the death of cromwell massachusetts preserved a cautious neutrality and seemed disposed to avail herself of any favourable occurrences without exposing herself to the resentments of that party which might ultimately obtain the ascendancy although expressly ordered she did not proclaim richard as lord protector nor did she take any step to recognise the authority of parliament the first intelligence of the restoration of charles was received with the hesitation of men who are unwilling to believe a fact too well supported by evidence to be discredited and when they were informed of it in a manner not to be questioned they neither proclaimed the king nor manifested by any public act their admission of his authority this was not the only testimony of their dissatisfaction whaley and goff two of the judges of charles i came passengers in the vessel which brought this intelligence and were received with distinction by the government and with affection by the people in a session of the general court held in october sixteen sixty an address to the king was moved but reports of the yet unsettled state of the kingdom being received the motion did not prevail they had seen so many changes in the course of a few months as to think it not improbable that an address to the king might find the executive power in the hands of a committee of safety or council of state this uncertain state of things was not of long continuance in november a ship arrived from bristol bringing positive advices of the joyful and universal submission of the nation to the king with letters from their agent and from others informing them that petitions had been presented against the colony by those who thought themselves aggrieved by its proceedings the time for deliberation was past a general court was convened and a loyal address to the king was voted in which with considerable ability though in the peculiar language of the day they justified their whole conduct and without abandoning any opinion concerning their own rights professed unlimited attachment to their sovereign a similar address was made to parliament and letters were written to those noblemen who were the known friends of the colony soliciting their interposition in its behalf a gracious answer being returned by the king a day of thanksgiving was appointed to acknowledge their gratitude to heaven for inclining the heart of his majesty favourably to receive and answer their address their apprehensions however of danger from the revolution in england still continued reports prevailed that their commercial intercourse with virginia and the islands was to be interdicted and that a governor-general might be expected whose authority should extend over all the colonies on this occasion the general court came to several resolutions respecting the rights of the people and the obedience due from them which are strongly expressive of their deliberate opinions on these interesting subjects it was resolved that the patent under god is the first and main foundation of the civil polity of the colony that the governor and company are by the patent a body politic invested with the power to make freemen that the freemen have authority to choose annually a governor deputy governor assistants representatives and all other officers that the government thus constituted 
hath full power both legislative and executive for the government of all the people whether inhabitants or strangers without appeals save only in the case of laws repugnant to those of england that the government is privileged by all means even by force of arms to defend itself both by land and sea against all who should attempt injury to the plantation or its inhabitants and that in their opinion any imposition prejudicial to the country contrary to any just law of theirs not repugnant to the laws of england would be an infringement of their rights these strong and characteristic resolutions were accompanied by a recognition of the duties to which they were bound by their allegiance these were declared to consist in upholding that colony as belonging of right to his majesty and not to subject it to any foreign prince and in preserving his person and dominions and in settling the peace and prosperity of the king and nation by punishing crimes and by propagating the gospel it was at the same time determined that the royal warrant which had been received some time before for apprehending whaley and gulf ought to be faithfully executed these persons however were permitted to escape to connecticut where they were received with every demonstration of regard and to remain during life in new england only taking care not to appear in public at length in august sixteen sixty one it was determined to proclaim the king but as if unable to conceal the reluctance with which this step was taken an order was made on the same day prohibiting all disorderly behaviour on the occasion and in particular directing that no man should presume to drink his majesty's health which adds the order he hath in a special manner forbid farther intelligence being received from england of the increasing complaints against the government of massachusetts agents were deputed with instructions to represent the colonists as loyal and obedient subjects to remove any ill impressions that had been made against them and to learn the disposition of his majesty toward them but to do nothing which might prejudice their charter the agents who engaged reluctantly in a service from which they rightly augured to themselves censure rather than approbation were received more favourably than had been expected they soon returned with a letter from the king confirming their charter and containing a pardon for all treasons committed during the late troubles with the exception of those only who were attainted by act of parliament but the royal missive also required that the general court should review its ordinances and repeal such of them as were repugnant to the authority of the crown that the oath of allegiance should be taken by every person that justice should be administered in the king's name that all who desired it should be permitted to use the book of common prayer and to perform their devotions according to the ceremonials of the church of england and that freeholders of competent estates not vicious should be allowed to vote in the election of officers though they were of different persuasions in church government these requisitions gave much disquiet and that alone seems ever to have been complied with which directed judicial proceedings to be carried on in the name of the king the agents on their return were ill received by the people and were considered as having sacrificed the interests of their country because with the agreeable were mingled some bitter though unavoidable ingredients during these transactions the parliament of england proceeded to complete its system of confining the trade of the colonies to the mother country it was enacted that no commodity of the growth or manufacture of europe shall be imported into the settlements of england in asia africa or america but such as shall be shipped in england and proceed directly in english bottoms navigated by english men salt for the fisheries wine from madeira and the azores and servants horses and victuals from scotland and ireland were excepted from this general rule 
to counterbalance these restrictions duties were imposed on salted and dried fish caught or imported by other vessels than those belonging to subjects of the crown and additional regulations were made for enforcing the prohibition of the culture of tobacco in england these commercial restrictions were the never-failing source of discontent and controversy between the mother country and her colonies even in those of the south where similar restraints had been enforced by cromwell they were executed imperfectly but in new england where the governors were elected by the people they appear to have been for some time entirely disregarded discontents in virginia the good humor which prevailed in virginia on the restoration of charles to the throne was not of long duration the restraints on commerce and the continually decreasing price of tobacco soon excited considerable discontents the legislature endeavored by prohibiting its culture for a limited time to raise its value but maryland refusing to concur in the measure the attempt was unsuccessful other legislative remedies were applied with as little advantage acts were passed suspending all proceedings in the courts of law except for goods imported giving to country creditors priority in payment of debts and to contracts made within the colony precedents in all courts of justice such expedients as these have never removed the discontents which produced them sixteen sixty four grant to the duke of york the english government seems at all times to have questioned the right of the dutch to their settlements in america and never to have formally relinquished its claim to that territory charles now determined to assert it and granted to his brother the duke of york all that part of the main land of new england beginning at a certain place called and known by the name of st croix next adjoining to new england in america and from thence extending along the sea-coast and to a certain place called pemaki or pemaquid and so up the river thereof to the farthest head of the same as it tendeth northward and extending from thence to the river kernbequin and so upwards by the shortest course to the river canada northward and also all that island or islands commonly called by the general name or names of mitowax or long island situate and being towards the west of cape cod and the narrow hygansets abutting upon the main land between the two rivers there called and known by the several names of connecticut and hudson's river and all the land from the west side of connecticut river to the east side of delaware bay and also all those several islands called or known by the names of martha's vineyard or nantucks otherwise nantucket commissioners appointed by the crown to reduce this country part of which was then in the peaceable possession of the dutch colonel nichols was dispatched with four frigates carrying three hundred soldiers in the same ships came four commissioners of whom colonel nichols was one empowered to hear and determine complaints and appeals in causes as well military as civil and criminal within new england and to proceed in all things for settling the peace and security of the country intelligence of this deputation preceded its arrival and the preparation made for its reception evidences the disposition then prevailing in massachusetts a committee was appointed to repair on board the ships as soon as they should appear and to communicate to their commanders the desire of the local government that the inferior officers and soldiers should be ordered when they came on shore to refresh themselves at no time to exceed a convenient number to come unarmed to observe an orderly conduct and to give no offence to the people and laws of the country as if to manifest in a still more solemn manner their hostility to the objects of the commissioners a day of fasting and prayer was appointed to implore the mercy of god under their many distractions and troubles 
the commissioners arrived in july and their commission was immediately laid before the council with a letter from the king requiring prompt assistance for the expedition against new netherlands the general court which was immediately convened after having first resolved that they would bear faith and true allegiance to his majesty and adhere to their patent so dearly obtained and so long enjoyed by undoubted right in the sight of god and man determined to raise two hundred men for the expedition in the meantime colonel nichols proceeded to manhattoes the auxiliary force raised by massachusetts was rendered unnecessary by the capitulation of new amsterdam which was soon followed by the surrender of the whole province conquest of the dutch colony the year after captain argall had subdued manhattoes the garrison having obtained a reinforcement from holland returned to their ancient allegiance in sixteen twenty one the states-general made a grant of the country to the west india company who erected a fort called good hope on connecticut which they denominated fresh river and another called nassau on the east side of delaware bay the fort on connecticut river however did not protect that frontier against the people of new england who continued to extend their settlements towards the south the dutch remonstrated in vain against these encroachments and were under the necessity of receding as their more powerful neighbors advanced until the eastern part of long island and the country within a few miles of the hudson were relinquished farther south the dutch had built fort casimir now newcastle on the delaware this fort was taken from them by the swedes who claimed the western shore of that river but was retaken by the dutch who at the same time conquered christina and received the submission of the few swedes who were scattered on the margin of the river they also made a settlement at cape henlopen which attracted the attention of lord baltimore who sent a commission to newcastle ordering the dutch governor to remove beyond the fortieth degree of north latitude to which his lordship's claim extended this mandate however was not obeyed on the appearance of colonel nichols before new amsterdam stuyvesant the governor was disposed to defend the place but the inhabitants feeling no inclination for the contest took part with their invaders and stuyvesant was compelled to sign a capitulation by which he surrendered the town to the english stipulating for the inhabitants their property and the rights of free denizens new amsterdam took the name of new york and the island of manhattans that of york island hudson's and the south or delaware river were still to be reduced carteret commanded the expedition against fort orange up hudson's river which surrendered on the twenty fourth of september and received the name of albany while at that place he formed a league with the five nations which proved eminently useful to the views of the english in america the command of the expedition against the settlement on the delaware was given to sir robert carr who completed the conquest of that country thus did england acquire all that fine country lying between her southern and northern colonies an acquisition deriving not less importance from its situation than from its extent and fertility nichols took possession of the conquered territory but was compelled to surrender a part of it to carteret soon after the patent to the duke of york and before the conquest of new netherlands that prince had granted to lord berkeley and sir george carteret all that tract of land adjacent to new england to the westward of long island bounded on the east south and west by the river hudson the sea and the delaware and on the north by forty one degrees and forty minutes north latitude this country was denominated new jersey the conquest of new netherlands being achieved the commissioners entered on the other duties assigned them a great part of connecticut had been included in the patent to the duke of york and a controversy concerning limits arose between that colony and new york 
in december their boundaries were adjusted by the commissioners in a manner which appears to have been satisfactory to all parties in plymouth and in rhode island the commissioners found no difficulty in the full exercise of the powers committed to them in massachusetts they were considered as men clothed with an authority subversive of the liberties of the colony which the sovereign could not rightly confer the people of that province had been long in habits of self-government and seemed to have entertained opinions which justified their practice they did not acknowledge that allegiance to the crown which is due from english subjects residing within the realm but considered themselves as purchasers from independent sovereigns of the territory which they occupied and as owing to england only that voluntary subjection which was created and defined by their charter they considered this instrument as a compact between the mother country and themselves and as enumerating all the cases in which obedience was due from them in this spirit they agreed soon after the arrival of the commissioners on an address to the crown this address in which they expressed great apprehension of danger to their rights from the extraordinary powers granted to men not appointed in conformity with their charter is drawn up in a style of much earnestness and sincerity and concludes with these remarkable words let our government live our patent live our magistrates live our religious enjoyments live so shall we all yet have farther cause to say from our hearts let the king live for ever this address was accompanied with letters to many of the nobility supposed to possess influence at court praying their intercession in behalf of the colony but neither the address nor the letters were favorably received sixteen sixty five conduct of massachusetts to the royal commissioners in april the commissioners arrived at boston and their communications with the general court commenced the suspicions which these two bodies entertained of each other opposed great obstacles to any cordial cooperation between them the papers on the part of the commissioners display high ideas of their own authority as the representatives of the crown and a preconceived opinion that there was a disposition in the government to resist that authority those on the part of the general court manifest a wish to avoid a contest with the crown and a desire to gratify his majesty so far as professions of loyalty and submission could gratify him but they manifest also a conviction of having done nothing improper and a steadfast determination to make no concession incompatible with their rights with these impressions the correspondence soon became an altercation the commissioners finding their object was to be obtained neither by reasoning nor by threats attempted a practical assertion of their powers by summoning the parties before them in order to hear and decide a complaint against the governor and company the general court with a decision which marked alike their vigor and the high value they placed on their privileges announced by sound of trumpet their disapprobation of this proceeding which they termed inconsistent with the laws and established authority and declared that in observance of their duty to god and to his majesty and of the trust reposed in them by his majesty's good subjects in the colony they could not consent to such proceedings nor countenance those who would so act or such as would abet them as a ground of compromise the court stated their willingness to hear the case themselves in the presence of the commissioners who would thereby be enabled to understand its merits but this proposition was at once rejected and every effort towards reconciliation proved unavailing sixteen sixty six from massachusetts the commissioners proceeded to new hampshire and maine they decided in favor of the claims of mason and gorgas and erected a royal government in each province appointed justices of the peace and exercised other acts of sovereignty after which they returned to boston 
the general court declaring that their proceedings to the eastward tended to the disturbance of the public peace asked a conference on the subject which was refused with a bitterness of expression that put an end to all farther communication between the parties massachusetts soon afterwards re-established her authority both in new hampshire and maine they are recalled charles on being informed of these transactions recalled his commissioners and ordered the general court to send agents to england to answer the complaints made against its proceedings the court having more than once experienced the benefits of procrastination affected at first to disbelieve the authenticity of the letter and afterwards excused themselves from sending agents by saying that the ablest among them could not support their cause better than had already been done during these transactions in the north new colonies were forming in the south in the year sixteen sixty three that tract of country extending from the thirty-sixth degree of north latitude to the river st mateo was made a province by the name of carolina and granted to lord clarendon the duke of albemarle lord craven lord berkeley and lord ashley sir george carteret sir john colleton and sir william berkeley in absolute property for ever this charter bears a strong resemblance to that of maryland and was probably copied from it settlement of carolina the proprietors took immediate measures for settlement the settlement of their colony its constitution consisted of a governor to be chosen by themselves from thirteen persons nominated by the colonists and an assembly to be composed of the governor council and representatives of the people who should have power to make laws not contrary to those of england which were to remain in force until the descent of the proprietors should be published perfect freedom in religion was promised and as an inducement to emigration one hundred acres of land at the price of a halfpenny for each acre were allowed for every free man and fifty for every servant who should within the space of five years be settled in the province a small settlement had been made on albemarle sound by some emigrants from virginia the superintendence of which had been conferred by the proprietors on sir william berkeley then governor of that colony with instructions to visit it to appoint a governor and council of six persons for the management of its affairs and to grant lands to the inhabitants on the same terms that those in virginia might be obtained the attention of the proprietors was next turned to the country south of cape fear which as far as the river st mateo was erected into a county by the name of clarendon considerable numbers from barbados emigrated into it one of whom mr john yeamans was appointed commander-in-chief and in sixteen sixty five a separate government was erected in it similar to that in albemarle the proprietors having discovered some valuable lands not comprehended in their original patent obtained a new charter which bestowed on them a more extensive territory this charter grants that province within the king's dominions in america extending north eastward to caratuck inlet thence in a straight line to wyanock which lies under thirty six degrees thirty minutes north latitude southwestward to the twenty ninth degree of north latitude and from the atlantic ocean to the south sea powers of government and privileges analogous to those comprised in other colonial charters were also contained in this sixteen sixty seven the people of albemarle employed like those of virginia in the cultivation of corn and tobacco received their scanty supplies principally from new england and carried on their small commerce in the vessels of those colonies their progress was slow but they were contented a new constitution was given them by which the executive power was placed in a governor to act by the advice of a council of twelve six of whom were to be chosen by himself and the others by the assembly which was composed of the governor the council and twelve delegates to be elected annually by the freeholders 
perfect freedom in religion was established and all were entitled to equal privileges on taking the oaths of allegiance to the king and of fidelity to the proprietors the first acts of this legislature indicate the condition and opinions of the people it was declared that none should be sued during five years for any cause of action arising out of the country and that no person should accept a power of attorney to receive debts contracted abroad sixteen sixty nine constitution of mr locke the proprietors dissatisfied with their own systems applied to mr locke for the plan of a constitution they supposed that this profound and acute reasoner must be deeply skilled in the science of government in compliance with their request he framed a body of fundamental laws which were approved and adopted a palatine for life was to be chosen from among the proprietors who was to act as president of the palatine court which was to be composed of all those who were entrusted with the execution of the powers granted by the charter a body of hereditary nobility was created to be denominated landgraves and caciques the former to be invested with four baronies consisting each of four thousand acres and the latter to have two containing each two thousand acres of land these estates were to descend with the dignities for ever the provincial legislature denominated a parliament was to consist of the proprietors in the absence of any one of whom his place was to be supplied by a deputy appointed by himself of the nobility and of the representatives of the freeholders who were elected by districts these discordant materials were to compose a single body which could initiate nothing the bills to be laid before it were to be prepared in a grand council composed of the governor the nobility and the deputies of the proprietors who were invested also with the executive power at the end of every century the laws were to become void without the formality of a repeal various judicatories were erected and numerous minute perplexing regulations were made this constitution which was declared to be perpetual soon furnished additional evidence to the many afforded by history of the great but neglected truth that experience is the only safe school in which the science of government is to be acquired and that the theories of the closet must have the stamp of practice before they can be received with implicit confidence sixteen seventy the duke of albemarle was chosen the first palatine but did not long survive his election and lord berkeley was appointed his successor the other proprietors were also named to high offices and mr locke was created a landgrave after this change of constitution the attention of the proprietors was first directed to the south a settlement was made at port royal under the conduct of william sale who had been appointed governor of that part of the coast which lies southwest of cape carteret he was accompanied by joseph west who was entrusted with the commercial affairs of the proprietors and who with the governor conducted the whole mercantile business of the colony william sale after leading the first colony to port royal and convening a parliament in which there were neither landgraves nor caciques became the victim of the climate after which the authority of sir john yeamans who had hitherto governed the settlement at cape fear was extended over the territory southwest of cape carteret in the same year the foundation of old charlestown was laid which continued for some time to be the capital of the southern settlements while these exertions were making in the south great dissatisfaction was excited in albemarle in sixteen seventy stevens the governor had been ordered to introduce into that settlement the constitution prepared by mr locke this innovation was strenuously opposed and the discontent it produced was increased by a rumour which was not the less mischievous for being untrue that the proprietors designed to dismember the province there was also another cause which increased the ill-humour pervading that small society the proprietors attempted to stop the trade carried on in the vessels of new england and the attempt produced the constant effect of such measures 
much ill-temper both on the part of those who carried on the traffic and of those for whom it was conducted at length these discontents broke out into open insurrection the insurgents led by culpepper who had been appointed surveyor-general of carolina obtained possession of the country seized the revenues and imprisoned the president with seven deputies who had been named by the proprietors having taken possession of the government they established courts of justice appointed officers called a parliament and for several years exercised the powers of an independent state yet they never formally disclaimed the power of the proprietors all this time the tithables of albemarle a term designating all the men with the negroes and indian women between sixteen and sixty years of age amounted only to fourteen hundred and the exports consisted of a few cattle a small quantity of indian corn and about eight hundred thousand weight of tobacco sixteen eighty eight about this time an event occurred in the southern settlements showing as well the poverty of the people as the manner in which the affairs of the proprietors were conducted joseph west their agent was appointed to succeed yeamans in the government and the colony being unable to pay his salary the plantation and mercantile stock of the proprietors were assigned to him in satisfaction of his claims in england the opinion had been long entertained that the southern colonies were adapted to the production of those articles which succeed in the warmer climates of europe in pursuance of this opinion charles in sixteen seventy nine employed two vessels to transport foreign protestants into the southern colony for the purpose of raising wine oil silk and other productions of the south and to encourage the growth of these articles exempted them for a limited time from taxation the effort however did not succeed old charlestown being found an inconvenient place for the seat of government the present charleston became the metropolis of south carolina this situation was deemed so unhealthy that directions were given to search out some other position for a town the seat of government however remained unaltered until the connection with great britain was dissolved carolina continued to increase slowly in wealth and population without any remarkable incident except the invasion of its most southern settlement by the spaniards from st augustine this was occasioned in part by the jealousy with which the english colony inspired its neighbors but was principally and immediately attributable to the countenance given in charleston to the buccaneers who then infested those seas and who were particularly hostile to the spaniards it was with difficulty the colonists were prevented by the proprietors from taking ample vengeance for this injury their resentments though restrained were not extinguished and until the annexation of the floridas to the british crown these colonies continued to view each other with distrust and enmity constitution of mr locke abandoned the dissatisfaction of the colony with its constitution grew with its population after some time a settled purpose was disclosed to thwart and oppose the wishes of the proprietors in everything wearied with a continued struggle to support a system not adapted to the condition of the people the proprietors at length abandoned the constitution of mr locke and restored the ancient form of government discontents of virginia the discontents which arose in virginia soon after the restoration continued to augment to the regularly decreasing price of tobacco and the restraints imposed on commerce by the acts of navigation other causes of dissatisfaction were soon added large grants of land were made to the favorites of the crown and considerable burdens were produced and injuries inflicted by the hostility of the indians agents were deputed to remonstrate against these improvident grants as well as to promote the views of the colony with regard to other objects of great moment and a considerable tax was imposed to support the expense of the deputation they are said to have been on the point of obtaining the objects of their mission when all farther proceedings were suspended in consequence of a rebellion 
which for a time wore a very serious aspect sixteen sixty three bacon's rebellion at the head of the insurgents was colonel nathaniel bacon a gentleman who had received his education in england at the inns of court and had been appointed a member of the council soon after his arrival in virginia young bold and ambitious possessing an engaging person and commanding elocution he was well calculated to rouse and direct the passions of the people treading the path by which ambition marches to power he harangued the people on their grievances increased their irritation against the causes of their disgust and ascribed the evils with which they thought themselves oppressed to those who governed them while he professed no other object than their good he declaimed particularly against the languor with which the indian war had been prosecuted and striking the note to which their feelings were most responsive declared that by proper exertions it might have been already terminated the people viewing him as their only friend and believing the zeal he manifested to be produced solely by his devotion to their cause gave him their whole confidence and elected him their general in return he assured them that he would never lay down his arms until he had avenged their sufferings on the savages and redressed their other grievances sixteen seventy six he applied to the governor for a commission appointing him general to prosecute the war against the indians a temporizing policy being pursued he entered jamestown at the head of six hundred armed men and obtained all he demanded from an intimidated government no sooner had he withdrawn from the capital than the governor at the request of the assembly which was then in session issued a proclamation declaring him a rebel and commanding his followers to deliver him up and to retire to their respective homes bacon and his army equally incensed at this piece of impotent indiscretion returned to jamestown and the governor fled to accomac the general of the insurgents called a convention of his friends who inveighed against the governor for having without cause endeavoured to foment a civil war in the country and after failing in this attempt for having abdicated the government to the great astonishment of the people they stated farther that the governor having informed the king that their commander and his followers were rebellious and having advised his majesty to send forces to reduce them it consisted with the welfare of the colony and with their allegiance to his sacred majesty to oppose and suppress all forces whatsoever until the king be fully informed of the state of the case by such persons as shall be sent by nathaniel bacon in behalf of the people this extraordinary manifesto was concluded with the recommendation of an oath first taken by the members of the convention to join the general and his army against the common enemy in all points whatever and to endeavour to discover and apprehend such evil disposed persons as design to create a civil war by raising forces against him and the army under his command his death in the meantime the governor collected a considerable force which crossed the bay under the command of major robert beverley and several sharp skirmishes were fought a civil war was commenced agriculture declined jamestown was burnt by the insurgents those parts of the country which remained in peace were pillaged and the wives of those who supported the government were carried to camp where they were very harshly treated virginia was relieved from this threatening state of things and from the increasing calamities it portended by the sudden death of bacon sixteen seventy seven having lost their leader the malcontents were incapable of farther agreement among themselves they began separately to make terms with the government and all opposition soon ended sir william berkeley was reinstated in his authority and an assembly was convened which seems to have been actuated by the spirit of revenge common to those who suffer in civil contests the real motives and objects of this rebellion are not perfectly understood many were disposed to think that bacon's original design extended no farther than to gratify the common resentments against the indians and to acquire that reputation and influence which result from conducting a popular war successfully others believed that he intended to seize the government 
whatever may have been his object the insurrection produced much misery and no good to virginia sixteen eighty soon after the restoration of domestic quiet sir william berkeley returned to england and was succeeded by herbert jeffreys who relieved the colony from one of its complaints by making peace with the indians assembly deprived of judicial power about the year sixteen eighty an essential change was made in the jurisprudence of virginia in early times the assembly was the supreme appellate court of the province during the administration of lord culpepper a controversy arose between the burgesses and councillors who composed also the general court concerning the right of the latter to sit as a part of the assembly on appeals from their own decisions the burgesses claimed exclusively the privilege of judging in the last resort this controversy was determined by taking all judicial power from the assembly and allowing an appeal from judgments of the general court to the king and council where the matter in contest exceeded the value of three hundred pounds sterling from the rebellion of bacon to the revolution in sixteen eighty eight the history of virginia affords no remarkable occurrence the low price of tobacco that perpetual source of dissatisfaction still continued to disquiet the country combinations were formed among the people to raise its value by preventing for a time the growth of the article and disorderly parties assembled to destroy the tobacco plants in the beds when it was too late to sow the seed again violent measures were adopted to prevent these practices and several individuals were executed these discontents did not arrest the growth of the colony a letter from sir william berkeley dated in june sixteen seventy one states its population at forty thousand and its militia at eight thousand a letter from lord culpepper in december sixteen eighty one supposes that there might then be in the colony fifteen thousand fighting men this calculation however is probably exaggerated as the report of general smith prepared in sixteen eighty from actual returns represents the militia as then consisting of eight thousand five hundred and sixty eight men of whom thirteen hundred were cavalry End of chapter 5